in a series called Closer. And what we're talking about is this idea that God, uh, Jesus, has called us to follow him. And so it's a really specific command to follow, right? And you've probably done this if you've ever driven anywhere and you've asked someone to follow you or you've had to follow someone. Have you ever followed a person that's an erratic driver and you're just like white-knuckled, you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but they told me to follow them, right? Sometimes our faith can feel like that. Jesus, slow down, right? Other times, uh, you're following someone and they're going too slow. And that can be kind of what it feels like to follow Jesus. Like, hey, Jesus, let's go. And Jesus is like, we're not, we're not ready for you to enter into this other thing right now. You know, you're not going to get a spouse in this particular season of your life. We're going to slow way down and then we'll see what happens later, right? Have you ever had that? As a Christian, you've probably experienced both of those things. I want to talk to another type of person. And uh, if you are listening to me, uh, either via podcast later on, or you're watching me uh, on TV because somebody has given you this sermon, first of all, I understand what it's like to just be handed a sermon and have someone say, you should listen to this. <laughs> it's annoying. Okay, because you're looking at it. First thing you do, I know exactly what you do. You look and you see how long is it, right? Well, it'll be about 34 minutes. But uh, I want to talk to you specifically. The person I want to talk to this morning is the person who was following and then took an off ramp. Maybe it, it was white knuckle Jesus, and you're like, I cannot go this fast. Maybe it was slow Jesus. He's in the slow lane. You're like, man, this is not how I want to live my life. For some reason, you exited. Maybe it was a relationship. And you knew that God didn't really want you in this relationship, but it was fun. And, and man, and, and you were scared. Like, what if, what if there's no other relationship? And so you, you took an off ramp. Maybe you went to college. And you were going through college, and you started learning, and you're thinking, I can't believe in science and Jesus at the same time. You can. I'm a huge fan of science. I love science. Totally compatible with my faith. But maybe that was it for you. Maybe for you, it was your parents. And you, you were following Jesus because you were following Jesus from the time you were zero. And you went to class and you went, you went to Sunday school and you kind of understood, but you'd come home and you'd watch your parents act some way on Sunday and something totally different during the week. And you said to yourself, you know what? If that's what following Jesus is like, I'm out. I understand that. I get that. Maybe for you, um, you just changed environments. You were doing great. You loved your church. You loved your, thing, your, your, your community. You had it all buttoned up. And then maybe your parents lost some money or they got a promotion and they had to move. And you got into a new situation. And the fastest thing you could do to fit in was to not follow Jesus. I get that. I totally get that. It's going to be difficult for me to get through this sermon because this is my passion. This is my skill set, to talk to people who've gotten off the freeway and stopped following Jesus. 
And the feeling of like, how could I ever go back? I don't even believe in the Bible anymore. I don't believe in this or that or what have you. We're going to look at a story this morning uh, that's very famous. Famous guy. As a matter of fact, when you saw, when we were showing the advertisement for The Chosen, um, that was Peter on the left that was looking at the, you know, looking all serious, right? That's whose life we're going to be looking at this morning. But specifically what we're going to be looking at is how do you get back on the freeway? How do you get back? How do you come back to Jesus? Peter has an incredible story. Uh, He saw everything. And maybe that's your story is that you had a time with Jesus that you knew was real. You knew it was real, and for some reason, either you didn't think you were good enough, or you thought you were too smart, okay? Or you just thought, you know what, that can't be real, and you left a little bit. Peter saw blind people's eyes open. He carried baskets of bread out to 4,000 and 5,000 people to return with an empty basket only to have Jesus fill it up again. He watched people with leprosy be healed. He watched Jesus just tear up the Pharisees. Oh, isn't it nice to see people in power go down? Oh, we all love it. Peter got to see it. He got to see the elite. And Jesus is just like, yeah, you whitewashed tombs. Peter's like, yeah, you whitewashed tombs, right? In it, in it, thinking Jesus is going to, this is it. Jesus is the Messiah. He's going to take over. We're going to drive those Romans out. We're finally going to win an election. We're going to do it. And then one day, it was brought right to Peter's face. Let me show you some of the things that Peter went through in his faith. And maybe you have wrestled with some of these things. And that's why you've pulled back a little bit. Uh, Peter uh, was frightened by the storm. Right? I've done that. I've been frightened by stuff around me. Stuff I didn't think I could possibly control. Or Jesus either couldn't control or didn't want to control. He rebukes Jesus and tells him he can't die. Jesus says, here's the plan, everybody. Huddle around. I'm the Messiah, and here's what we're going to do. First, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. I've done that. I've told Jesus, no, that's a bad plan, Jesus. (laughs) I've totally done that. He starts yapping on the Mount of Transfiguration. So let me just give you an idea of what's going on here, right? Jesus just tells Peter... Uh, He just asked the question, who do you say I am? And we talked about this last week. I encourage you to listen to it. But but he tells Jesus, uh, Jesus says, who do you think I am? They're like, oh, Moses, Elijah, whatever. So then Jesus takes him to the Mount of Transfiguration. And the reason we call it that is because Jesus literally transforms into like this heavenly being with Moses and Elijah. And Peter can't stay quiet. He's like, oh, I know what to do. We'll make some tents here. And Jesus and God had to talk together, basically to tell Peter to be quiet, right? So he starts yapping on the track. I've done that, where Jesus is doing a work, and I'm like, oh, I know why he's doing that. Oh, I know what's going to happen now. Oh, I know. I'm a pastor. I'm this. I'm that. I've known the Lord for a long I've studied that scripture. I know exactly what it means to bind and to loose and all that. Oh, man, I got it all. He told kids to get lost. 
I've done that. I didn't know that when you had kids, you had them all until they're adults, right? So I'm, you know, three years old, four years old, whatever. Like, hey, mommy and daddy are talking right now. You go, go away, right? That's terrible. I know. You're looking at me like I should find another church. Maybe. Just let me finish the sermon first. He cuts a dude's ear off. I have not done that. <laughs> Yet. But, but, I have thought violence was the answer. I have thought, man, the only way to get through this is to, is to is some sort of violence or, or physical force. I've done that. He fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Come on now. You've fallen asleep while you've been praying, right? I did just recently. <clears throat> hey, Sue. Okay, all right. Jesus basically called him Satan at one point. Now, that has never happened to me that I know of, okay? But it could have. He could be like, hey, bro, just get behind me. Be quiet. Stop. You don't even know what you're talking about right now. That I know for a fact has happened. He doesn't understand half of what Jesus taught. Cut off your hand. Gouge out your eye. If you call somebody fool, you're guilty of hell. CNN and Fox News, right? I mean, it's just like, wow, I've done that. He walks on water, and then, oh, wait. You say, well, John, have you ever walked on water? No. But what I have seen is something incredibly spiritual happening in my life, transformation happening in my life. But he asked me to go one step too far, and then I saw the circumstances around me and the waves, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I've done that. Absolutely, I've done that. Not even with something as cool as walking on water. He argued about who's the greatest. Comparison. I've done that. I've gotten into a comparison trap with all sorts of different things. Jesus has no business with me doing that, but, but I've done it. This is one of my favorite. He volunteers Jesus to pay his taxes. I've done that. Jesus, here's my tax bill. You're going to have to come up with something, right? It was really cool. You should read this story. But Jesus basically pulls the money out of a fish. <laughs> okay. He hasn't done that. But I've received checks that I didn't expect to receive. I've had things forgiven that I didn't expect to be forgiven. He's done that. I've, I've, I've thrown Jesus under the bus and tried to make him do stuff for me like a valet. He won't let Jesus wash his feet. No, don't touch my feet. No touching. I don't want my feet touched. Lisa and I, before, we became, before I became a pastor, we were at our old church, and I, I was in business, and then they said, we're going to send you off with a foot washing ceremony. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. I mean, I'll wear boots. You can wash my, shine my boots. How about a boot shining thing? I did, but he gets rebuked. But then he does something else. And this might be, you. And this might have been your off-ramp. He denies Jesus with curses and oaths. He gets to a point where it's just too hard and there's too much to risk. And he doesn't even know if Jesus is really the Messiah because all he can see is that Jesus is being bound and beaten. And he's like, man, that, if that's the path, I don't want to take that path. And they just ask him, hey, 
Hey, aren't you a follower? And that was too much. That might be your story. It might be that there's a faith that you saw modeled for you, either by the church or by people close to you, and it didn't work out the way you wanted, and you're like, I'm out. And these oaths, it's like, did you follow Jesus? On my mother's grave, I am not follower of Jesus. That might be you. He quits the apostolic team, and he goes back to fishing, and that's where we find him right now in our story. Jesus has died. He's risen again. He's seen uh, disciples, or he's appeared a couple times. And so everybody, there was the whole thing, but even that didn't really work out to Peter's advantage because when he'd return in these weird ways of just like showing up and leaving, you never knew, was he going to show up again? And then when he shows up, it's scary, right? They're in the upper room and they're all praying. And then Jesus just shows up out of the middle of nowhere and he's like, be at peace. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, like, how does that happen? And then he's gone. And it's like, well, I, don't, I don't know what to do, Jesus. And maybe that's you. Maybe your off-ramp was like, I don't know, man. So they're out fishing. Jesus comes onto the beach. He's looking out into the sea. And the way it works is, you know, fish are closer to shore. So you would fish. I don't know if you've ever watched a fishing show. Like I said, I, I, I'm into science and nature and all that stuff. So I love watching all those shows. Uh, different places uh, you know i love life below zero like just i love all that stuff so they're fishing but they have to fish close to shore because that's the way the nets work and that's where the fish are so he calls out to them and he says friends haven't you any fish okay jesus is asking them how's this working for you how is it working for how did the off-ramp work peter you left you left me you said you know what because before this, Peter says to his buddies, let's go fishing. Maybe that was your off-ramp. You know what? I, I, I got a promotion, and right now, I just can't make room for church. I can't make room to go to small group and do all the things that, that Christianity has. And, and Christians can be weird. They, they really can. And you know Why? Because the church is supposed to be a hospital. And if you go to a church and everybody's got it all together, number one, they're lying because they don't. Trust me, they don't. But number two, isn't that who you want in church are the broken and the wounded and the marginalized? I don't want to hang around with people who have it all together. That's not, Jesus came for the sick, he says. So yes, church is going to be odd. But Jesus says, how is that working out for you? They say, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. Now, if it were me, okay, personally, just as a dude, okay, I can't speak for just me, this no would have been very annoyed because it would have been a reminder that what I'm doing right now is not working. And for me, just my own personality and most of my male friends, they don't like to be told that what they're doing is not working. Okay, women seem to be better at this. I don't know. Sorry for the generalization, but prove me wrong. So here's what he says. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. This is not scientific, by the way. Fish don't stay on one side of the boat. 
He easily could have had, anyone could have had a scientific explanation, and, I mean, a scientific rebuttal to this, like, hey, hey whoever you are, uh, it doesn't work that way. And maybe that's your response to people going, hey, why don't you come back and try again? When they did. When they did. This week, next week, next month, those of you who've taken that exit ramp, you're going to hear his voice. Because you didn't leave Christianity. You didn't leave a wacky group of broken people that vote a certain way or don't vote a certain way or whatever. You, you left Jesus. And it's time to come back. Now, you might say, which is totally fair, I didn't leave Jesus. I just left religion. Fair. That's fair. That takes a longer conversation than what we have this morning, but I understand. But here's the problem. The church is his body. So I don't know what Jesus you're following or how you're following Jesus, but if it doesn't include his body, just do the math. It doesn't include Jesus. So they did it. They took the risk of looking stupid. They took the risk of doing something they knew for a fact would not work, except that they'd, whew, they'd seen him do this in the past. This isn't the first time he told them to do something weird. When they were first called, that first time, that first time when you either walked forward or raised your hand or in your car, in a parking lot, or however you accepted Jesus, that first time when you knew for a fact it was real, Jesus is doing the same thing. And he's saying to you, it's time to take a risk, to do it again. They did it. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, this is basically a humble brag from John, essentially. John uses this third person annoying language all the time. Like, he's not, I'm not going to say it was me, but it was the disciple who Jesus loved, but it was me. Okay, right? It's just, he, that's why you see that the disciple whom Jesus loved, he loved all his disciples, okay? But John is just being competitive right now. He says to Peter, it is the Lord. Please do not miss this. Please do not miss this. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord. As soon as you hear Jesus, or you're in your car, or you're in your cubicle, or you're out with the kids, or you're at the park and you're watching them all play, you're sitting there out of nowhere. You hear the voice of God because I believe you can and you will respond. Respond somehow. Do something. Yes, Lord, here I am. I don't want to talk to you right now. Something. He wraps his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumps in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the full net of fish. So Peter's just like, whew, he just jumps out. Now, he can run in the water, walk in the water. Remember, they're, 
he's going through. It's shallow waters. As a matter of fact, one of the things Jesus did when he called them the first time was he said, cast your net in deeper waters. Well, that's not where the fish were. And yet they caught so many that the net started to tear. So they're in shallower waters now. He's not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw the fire burning and the coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus is ready for you to come back. He's ready. He's prepared. He knows where you've been. He knows those four years in college, what you did. He knows all that. He knows about that marriage and that divorce and that other marriage and the other divorce. He knows about all that. He knows about your addiction. He knows about your absolute grip with fear. He knows it all. But I'm telling you this. When you hear his voice and you respond, he is prepared. When they landed, oh, I'm sorry. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat. You know, it is kind of interesting that he makes them drag all the fish in. Like he immediately jumps in. Anyway, all right. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Now, if you are a Bible geek like me, you read scholars and they have all these ideas. Because they're scholars, and that's what you do as a scholar, apparently. And some of them took the number 153, and they're like, oh my gosh, why is it 153? And in Hebrew and in Greek, the, each letter has a number, and blah, blah, blah. And if you take Simon and fish, it equals 153, and all that. Ugh. Talk about falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. Read, read a commentary someday. You will be out, okay? The point is, it was a lot of fish. This had to be a miracle. And the net didn't break. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And here's what Jesus says to them, and to Peter, and to you as you come back. What do you think he's going to say? I'm so disappointed. How dare you? After all you saw, you started hanging with that crowd? Do you know that what I demand out of your Christianity is perfection. Be thou holy, for I am holy. Is that what he's going to say? No. No. Come and have breakfast. Have you ever started a relationship back with somebody? You ever call them? Maybe you've had a rift or something. Or you haven't seen a buddy for a long time. Or uh, I don't know what girls say. Girlfriend. I say buddy, dude, whatever. I can't help it. Maybe, maybe you have a friend you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe there was a little rift. What do you normally say to him? Let's go grab breakfast. Let's grab lunch. Let's grab a cup of coffee. You don't say, here's all the things that annoyed me the first time when you left. No, because you're restoring a relationship. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He says, come and have breakfast. Not come and read your Bible, come and pray more, come and I'm going to tie up. He says to the Pharisees, you tie up heavy loads on people and you don't lift a finger to help them. The church does the same thing. Long-term Christians do the same thing. Get all your sin figured out and then come talk to us. 
That is not Jesus' way. He says, come talk to me. And let's start this relationship. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Now, I don't know why this is. Maybe he shaved his beard or something. I don't know why this dynamic is coming up. Here's what I believe. I believe every single one of those disciples knew they were not worthy to be at that breakfast. And let me tell you this. No matter how long you've been a Christian or how long you've been away, you're not worthy to have breakfast with Jesus. But he says, that's what I want. Come, have breakfast. So they, they're like, I'm not saying it's the Lord. Are you going to say, no, I'm not. Okay, a nice fish, sir. <laughs> you ever not know a dude's name? You're like, hey, bro, how's it going, champ? Right? You ever do that? They're just like, I'm not saying Jesus. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to him. He did the fish. This would have been a huge reminder to them of the Last Supper, where he's saying, hey, are you with me? Here we go. Take the cup. Take the bread. That's why we do communion in remembrance of him, in remembrance in this call that it's a relationship. This was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When he had finished eating, he turns to Simon Peter. Now, I've talked for those who are coming back on the on-ramp again to follow Jesus, and maybe it's a little nerve-wracking because you know, oh man, I don't want to address any of these issues. I just would rather have breakfast and then go back. He turns to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Again, scholars talk about, is it the disciples? Is it the fish, right? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love? It doesn't matter what he's talking to. The question he's asking Peter is, can we restore this? Can we, can, we, can we just get this fixed? You ever have a relationship like that? A spouse or whatever, you get to a big argument or whatever, but there's just this longing, this yearning to make it right. There's this longing to get back onto the freeway from your off-ramp, and you're wondering, I don't, I don't know what, what this might mean for me. You love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now again... <sighs> A lot, a lot is spent, a lot is written about these different words. So in English, we write, do you love me? Yes, I love you. In the Greek, it was, do you agape me? That means an intimate, deep-seated family love. And Peter responds with, yes, I phileo you, like Philadelphia. I, I like, like, yes, we have a deep friendship. Um, you know, I joke about, he says, phileo fish, right? Okay, whatever. Anyway. Oh, it was funny. I thought it was stupid. Okay. Uh, he says, you know that I phileo you, right? And so scholars are like, oh my goodness, we found this great thing. Jesus is restoring a man. He would be restoring a woman. He wants you to answer the question. Do you love me? Are you ready? Jesus said, he says, you know that I love you. And watch what Jesus says. Then engage. Then engage. 
You, you're part of a bigger body now. Feed my lambs. Let me tell you something. I don't know how long you've been a Christian or maybe you haven't been a Christian or whatever. Anyone can teach a little kid, right? The on-ramp to engagement in the kingdom of God is so easy. Christians have made it hard. Christians have made you memorize all this stuff. That all comes out of wanting to know more about this Jesus you met. Like, I got to learn more. I got to learn more. I want another story. And that's where Bible reading comes in. I want to I, I be a little Christ, a Christian. What do I need to do? And then we memorize scriptures so that it, it, it renews our mind. And I say, oh, no, that's not Jesus. That is Jesus. That's not Jesus. That is Jesus. That's why we read. That's why we memorize to get closer. We should do a series on that someday. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, do you agape me, Simon, son of John? In other words, you, he's, he's, he's face to face, flesh to flesh. This is Peter's identity for now. Do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The same, agape, phileo. Take care of my sheep. Engage. Come back. Get back on the on-ramp. On Be around messy people. Be around broken people. Imagine a doctor that's like, yeah, man, I just can't handle blood. Imagine a Christian who says, I just can't handle that perspective. Engage. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. But for all of us here, and anyone watching me or listening to me, you know why Jesus did this. It's famous. What did Peter do? How many times did he deny Jesus? The point that Jesus is making is no matter how many times, if Peter had denied Jesus 15 times, I'll bet Jesus would have, well, it probably would have gotten annoying, but he would have asked him 15 times. I'm restoring you. I'm restoring you. I'm restoring you. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter says again, engage. Feed my sheep. Come back. Come back. So much of following Jesus has to do with community. Then he says this to Peter. And Again, for those of you who are coming back, this is the difficult part of the sermon. You're coming back to die. You're coming back because the off-ramp didn't work. You're coming back because it's not working. You're coming back because your eyes are fixed on Jesus, not on the wacky Christians, or that the Bible's hard, or why is there this in the Bible, and all that in the Bible. You're coming back to Jesus. And he says to Peter, essentially, hey, remember when you denied me? As you get restored, this second time, you're going to take it all the way to the end, man. You're going to be able to do it. And for those of you who've left the faith, maybe, or maybe not left the faith, but left the church, or maybe you just decided it's really hard to read the Bible and believe all that stuff. Totally understand that. Totally. 
It is hard to believe. He says, very truly, Peter, I tell you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. You went where you wanted. When you're old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter, you're restored. And that means you're going to die. That's what I want from you. It is going to cost you something. And it is going to cost you something when you get back. But we have a luxury in the Bible that Peter didn't have at this time and that a lot of us don't have for each other or a loved one. We get to see how it played out because Peter was restored. If you read this story, it's at the end of the book of John, like the very, very end. There's only like a couple more verses left. And if you're reading it, you'd go, oh man, what, what happened? <laughs> Did he make it? Well, praise God, somebody named Luke wrote the book of Acts, which shows exactly what happened right after that. And Peter's life was radically changed. It says, uh, Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. The same thing he said when he told him to cast the net in the deep waters. And Peter came back at that time and he gets down on his knees the first time and he says, get away from me, I'm sinful. And Jesus says, oh man, you're going to be fishing for men, dude. You, like, you don't even understand. So he says, follow me. Peter turned, this is so typical, especially of Christians. Sorry, if you're a Christian, sorry. I know I'm coming down on you hard today. I, I realize, but I'm coming down on me. I raised my hand to everything Peter did wrong. I didn't see any of you doing that. Okay. <laughs> Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Seriously, John? Okay. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus in the upper. Gosh, I, John annoys me. I, I, don't, I don't even like the name John. Okay. So John talks about how great John is. Peter turns and says, what about him? Oh, man, isn't that human? Isn't that so human? If I get back on the on-ramp and I give my life over to Jesus, what about, what about, what about? Like, do I have to, like, be with these people who vote this way? Do I have to do this? Like, what are you actually calling me to? What about them? What about this situation? What about my marriage? What about my kids? What about my job? What about my friends? What about all these things? You just said, I'm going to walk forward and die for you? Am I doing this by myself? What about John? And Jesus answers the same way to all of us, every single one of us, whether you've taken an off-ramp and you're getting back on or you've been following Jesus the whole time and you're wondering why Christians aren't as steadfast as they used to be or should be or why why not this and that and all this stuff and cultures taking over and all that Jesus says the same thing for all of us Jesus answered if I want him to remain alive until I return what's that to you we live out our faith in community but it's a personal relationship with Jesus you got that Here's what he says. 
You must follow me. Forget about whatever anyone else can do. I told you to do this. Oh, yeah, but what about they? They're like, but whoo-hoo. Not talking about that. As a matter of fact, for some of you, you might have exited the freeway because you felt like you couldn't keep up with all these really holy Christians. They're so good. They're so amazing. They know the Bible forwards and backwards, and they never sin, and they never have any problems, and they dress nice. Jesus says, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. I'm dealing with them on a totally different. You must follow me. As the worship band returns, I want to show you how it turned out. Peter's writing his second letter, right? So Peter wrote a couple, uh, what we call books in the Bible. They're not really books, they're just letters. Uh, to certain communities of faith. And they're Peter. Read the Peters, man. They are so good. They are so good because he's a real dude who really rejected Jesus. And in the midst of rejecting him, made eye contact with him. Brutal. And he's restored. So he's talking about all these things. Hey, man, you got to remember this about Jesus. And this is what it's like to follow the Lord. And he's just like getting, and then, and then it's almost like he's so excited, he writes this. So I'm always going to remind you of these things, even though you know them already. And you're firmly establishing them. Like, I just want to remind you of this. In the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the, oh no. The tent. Peter is fully accepting his humanity. That he's not going to be on this planet very long. Because I know that I will soon put it aside. As our Lord and Jesus had made clear to me on a beach one day. When I came back. And we had breakfast. I will make every effort to see that after my departure. When we get to see him face to face. And all this religious stuff. And all the, oh my goodness, what time does church start? And what's the band going to sound like? amazing. Okay. Uh, right. All these things. Is the sermon going to be good? Is it, you know, oh man, it's late. What time are we going to get back? Super Bowl. Do we have it recorded? When all that's away, you get to spend eternity with Jesus. This relationship. Here's, here's what I want us to do. We're going to end with one more song. And, uh, if I went a little long, I apologize. I'm, this is like my lane. Is talking to people who don't feel worthy to come back, who maybe don't believe the Bible, have a hard time with the seven-day creation, all, all that, all that stuff, got involved in some stuff, you just don't feel worthy, all those things. Here's, here's my only homework for you. This week, next week, in this month, just listen. He's going to speak to you. He is. Because he wants you to come back. And so, we're going to take a little bit of time of prayer. You can join in the song if you want. Um, but what I want you to do is listen. Maybe he'll talk to you this morning. Maybe somebody gave you this sermon and you're like, oh my goodness, I just got to get through it. I, trust me, I've been there. I get handed sermons all the time. Mostly to say, this is what you're supposed to be doing.
And there are, it, it can get annoying. I get that. But if you would open your ears and open your eyes, he's going to speak to you. And when he does, just respond. Some way, just respond. Lord God, we are so thankful that none of us deserve to be on the freeway following you. Not one. And we're so thankful that our ability to follow is not dependent on being perfect. or It's just watching where you're going and obeying. Every turn, every speed change. So Lord, I pray right now as we go before you in our homes, in our car, in our work, in this sanctuary, that we would hear your voice. Do you love me? Or that we would respond honestly. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close with the blessing, I just wanted to uh, just say plainly what I hope you connected was during the sermon. Is that he calls us to breakfast. He calls us to this relationship. But ultimately, he's going to call call you to die. He says, come and follow, or come and see, come and follow, and then come and die. What I'm here to tell you, it's not that bad a death. It's really not. It's hard, no doubt, no doubt, but it's not that bad. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go in his peace and in his acceptance and his deep, deep love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.